Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and I got my guys Robbie and Mike with me. How's it going, fellas? Hey, better that my Rockets didn't lay an egg tonight. So it's a good good Monday, fellas. How y'all doing? Lakers are 5-1, and one, so everybody can suck it. Ten years of this crap, we've sucked. We've sucked so bad, and it's finally coming full circle. So, everybody hating this. Like Robbie shedding tear just now. Lakers and foe. Hey, the Kings just got their second win, so uh, two in a row. We're on a winning streak. I'm pretty sure we're probably just going to take the title this year now. Um, it's turned around that quickly, so. <laughs> See, I'm with a lot of you guys. I know Morocco's aren't winning the title because they um, they don't know how to play defense. They just say, "Oh, look, there's a ball." Dwight Howard for Sixth Man of the Year. I never thought I would ever say that, but it's not bullshit. It, it's, it's, it could uh, happen. Six games in, E. Rose is going to get Sixth Man of the Year. E. Rose is in it. He should be starting. Like, how do you not start Derrick Rose? He should be starting. Well, easy. His knees might explode. You never know. Last time I checked, Detroit isn't a destination anymore. So, <laughs> oh man. So, first off, we want to thank everybody for for rocking with us. Um, as always, we want to shout out uh, somebody who left us a review on iTunes. This is uh, from MBVC number fifteen, and the review is five stars. And it's pretty straightforward. It says pros makes you want to buy more sneakers. Cons makes you want to buy more sneakers. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better myself. That's basically what my relationship with Mike and Robbie is in a nutshell. So Yeah, I mean you, you said it right there. <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate all of you uh rocking with us, listening to us. Um this week we dropped a new episode on our Patreon page at Patreon dot com slash sneaker history we talked a little bit about complex con about the releases that were going on there got into the college basketball i guess the changes in college basketball where players are going to be able to kind of make some money off of their likeness and potentially potentially work some some like sneaker deals a lot earlier in their careers so maybe even pre-college so um, check that out if you want to you can listen on our Patreon page, uh, it's as little as five bucks a month, depending on the level that you want to contribute. So 
Guys, what uh, what do you guys got going on? You ready for this episode? Yeah, man. Always ready. I'm, I'm just thinking, what if there's a day where there's a sneaker for pre-K, like signature pre-K, <laughs> like like um, Peppa Pig, or it's like pre-K <laughs> signature shoe, and they got like a Peppa Pig tie-in on the cartoon, or these fly-ass blazers or something. I don't know. This pre-K funny yeah like there's so many of those instagram accounts with like the kids and you get to see all the the, i mean i'm guilty i don't have kids but i've got a collection of sneakers for my future kids so um i'm gonna be that like dad that's like yeah you're dressing fresh today son (laughs) it happens to me all the time it's like all right you're dressing fresh all right you're gonna get dirty today you know what throw on whatever throw on your, your your car shoes like go throw jump in mud in those Keep those fours clean, though. You get time out. You keep those fours clean. <laughs> People show me pictures of their kids, and I saw them pictures of my shoes, and my kicks. So it's not. It's a copy of mine with cribs, but it doesn't quite fit the same. <laughs> uh, so, on that note, we've got a pretty good show lined up for you. Um, we're going to talk about the resell of the Jordan Flyees. We're going to talk about, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about burn rubber making people eat bugs in order to purchase Jordan 1 Fearlesses. Uh, some Under Armour accounting uh, scandalism going on. And uh, Luca potentially signing with Under Armour as well. So some, some news on Under Armour coming up. But um, before we get into that, we wanted to talk about what we usually do on Instagram, talk about what happened in sneaker history this week. And I wanted to at least jump in with 1992, Shaquille O'Neal makes his debut in the NBA with a Shaq attack, probably drinking a Pepsi. Um, Who else was he sponsored by, right? Like famous line, I just want to play basketball, wear Reeboks and drink Pepsi or something like that. But uh, what else? What else we got in the, going on this week in sneaker history, fellas? David Robinson debuted for the San Antonio Spurs against the Los Angeles Lakers on November fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Which I was born one day before then. Funny thing about that. Um, and uh, literally one day, eighty nine is my year too. Um, and he was probably wearing some like. Delta Force. I'm trying to find a photo of him. But young David Robinson wasn't like the business, apparently, when it came to, you know, photo bait. So having a hard time. But it's the Admiral, you know, ballistic forces, uh, command forces. Um, there's the ones with the strap in the booty. And I can't think of the name of it. And they come out every couple of years, the internal booty system. Uh And it's Velcro straps. That's redundant. They're mostly Velcro straps. But, the, you're um, thinking of the Air Unlimited. Yes, yes, I am thinking of Air Unlimited. Then there's the one with the teeth, too, like the Barkley-like teeth mixed with the Unlimited. So, so that would have been a little bit later, but I just realized what the shoe that he had to have debuted that day. It had to have been the Air Force STS because he played in that, like, 
for quite a while, but that shoe was like an 88, 89 shoe. And yes, random fact, that's one of the very first shoes to have elephant print on it. Like a lot of people don't know that elephant print, although it was, you know, made famous by the Jordan three, it was on a lot of shoes that same year. So, um, without being Tinker Hatfield himself, it would be hard to say which shoe actually was very, very first to market with that because as yeah, like as a lot of these brands do, they, they, they buy the, you know, material in bulk and they use it across a bunch of things. So it just kind of get, depends on what gets shipped first and what retailers get it to the, to the wall first, at least back in the day. But that's a classic shoe though. That's a, that's a, that's an awesome sneaker history bit of knowledge right there, to be honest. I'm I'm glad you brought up David Robinson. How about you, Mike? What what do you got going on this week in history? Did you find anything cool? Yeah, I found that this day in uh, 2016 was the last release of the Jordan One Black Toe, which has uh, become super popular again for some reason. So everybody's been kind of scavenging for that one, looking for that that re-release. So 2016 was the last time we saw those bad boys sit on show. So. Here's a here's a double fun fact to that though. That's the last time I waited in a line for a pair of shoes. Like no lie, that was the last time I've done it because I was like 15 people outside of there being pairs for me. Oh. So there was like 37 people ahead of me, and I got to that point, and they're like, "We're not gonna have your size. You should just leave." <laughs> I'm like, "Mother, no, girl. I'm staying." So that was the last time. <laughs> physically in a line that's crazy man uh i I love the black toes i've never had i never have gotten a pair but i really do love that shoe um so i got i got one more before that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) i got one more before we get into birthdays but uh in 2008 tony parker uh in a double overtime win over the minnesota timberwolves put up 55 points um do you guys remember what shoe he was wearing Wait. Zoom BB2. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy, right? Because like that era, like 2008 or so, I would, you know, lovingly say, Nike, that was some of the worst years for your basketball shoes, man. Like, uh, <laughs> other than like LeBron stuff, right? Like, you know, and then and then like right at that point, the hyper dunk hit oh, we- and everything went a much better direction. Oh, yeah. Of course. Well, BB looks just, well, not just like, but it has some design cues that are very similar to the Jordan 2009. Just some different hints, like around an anchor collar, just like the, the shape of it looks real similar. In today's episode of Robbie saying shout out repeatedly, shout out the Zoom Fight Club, which was the Tony Parker not signature shoe. It was, but formally it was not. Shout out Tony Parker getting buckets on everybody. Shout out Tony Parker's floater. This Tony Parker, having watched him in the Spurs in many playoff series, that dude was a walking bucket when he was healthy and in his prime. You could not stay in front of Tony Parker. He would get around you so quick and it's pull up, dribble drive, pull up floater. He was just so hard to contain, man. It's like one of the first modern, this score first point guards. Tony Parker maybe got five assists a game in his heyday. 
but he was giving you 25 a night and is giving you buckets. And just, so, just think about how many players were surrounding him at all times, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would just go like, okay, Tim, I see you, but I'm going to go. I, I got, I got young legs. Yeah. I'm going to go. Freaking yeah. uh, Spurs. So getting back into the history. So this week, a uh, handful of people that have uh, some importance, I guess you would say with sneakers have, have birthdays. So uh, November 4th, Des Bryant, Jordan brand athlete, Jerry Stackhouse, Bill Walton, OJ Mayo on November 5th. What do we got? Lamar, Lamar Odom, November 6th. So uh, it's a good week for sneaker, for future sneaker. I don't know what you call them. They're not sneaker heads, are they? I guess like sneaker aficionados (laughs) or, yeah, I don't know. It's a good week for people to be born into the sneaker world. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) Yo. And a shout out to Jerry Stackhouse having the worst looking signature shoe with the best name ever, the Fila Spaghetti. Like, come on now. Like, Spaghetti. Spaghetti. He was hungry, like, dude. The noodle. The design process. Starving. He was like, man, feed me. So. so if I remember correctly, Jerry Stackhouse is from the Virginia area because he um, he helped raise, no, train Brandon Ingram growing up. So, WTF with spaghetti, man. Like, what's up with that spaghetti? It's it's either Virginia or Louisiana, and I feel really stupid not knowing which one. But wherever Brandon Ingram's from, and that's where Jerry Stackhouse is also from. So, spaghetti though, like, why? I why mean, though they were probably just like oh candy canes <laughs> why like cough drop foams uh, this is a sneaker thing let's call it spaghetti pasta <laughs> but uh, lamar odom early 2000s sneaker god on court like we, we we all and i know we've reposted it many times on sneaker history the picture of lamar odom pivoting in the concords and if the concords completely slipped out of the outsole like the tooling going one way and the uppers going another way. Yep. But just him, Quentin Richardson, um, Darius Miles, this iconic sneaker moments all day from like 1999 to 2002. Yep. It was beautiful. Those slam magazine covers. Oh man. Like chef's kiss. So those, like they were the best. <laughs> Shout out to Lamar Odom for joining the Miami Heat after going, after being let go of the Clippers and then getting traded for Shaq and ending up back in LA. Rhode Island's finest, too. Don't forget that. Also, Um, shout out to Lamar Odom for just surviving the last few years. Thank you for surviving. Right? (laughs) I was about to say that. Yeah, I mean, he's just making it, right? But. Riding the slopes, sleeping in ranches. He's been all over the place, man. It's good for him. Yeah. We salute you. Tomorrow. All right, so let's get into the to the main topic. What do you guys think? You ready? Nope. Let's do it. So I don't know I don't know where you guys want to start, but I 
I kind of think we should just jump right into this flyies thing because I ruffled some feathers on Twitter by saying I just think that the that these shoes shouldn't be on a resale platform. I think that the flyies, if you're not familiar with the flyies, Jordan One flyies just came out. Flyies technology is essentially like Nike's way of creating shoes that are still like you know primarily visually the same aesthetically as like the regular releases but they're designed to be easier access you know sometimes velcro or other enclosures to where for people with disabilities people that just can't you know physically tie their shoes in the same way that you know most of us are blessed to be able to do so the flies sneakers there's only been a handful of them right who we up three or four or something at this point and obviously the jordan one jordan one being like the you know the pinnacle shoe for most sneaker heads it's just an important shoe for people that don't have that physical ability and i just saw the prices on some of the resale platforms and was just was pissed because man it's like i get that people want to make money and some of you make a living reselling shoes and i don't have anything against that but I do think that, you know, this particular shoe, you know, on both sides, right? Like it would be nice if Nike made more of them. It would be nice if if the resale platform said, hey, this is for a better cause than just making a couple bucks on a resale flip. So I tweeted out this and, you know, there's a lot of people that agree with what I said. And there's a lot of people that kind of were in my mentions saying we got to eat and that kind of stuff. and. I just like the last thing I will say, my personal opinion around it is that if you're the type of person that has to eat off of somebody that has a disability, then you should reevaluate what you're doing. Like that was my comment on Twitter is like these companies, if they have this on their site for people to resell, I think they really need to reevaluate the moral compass and the direction of the business. Because let's say Nike made just for ease, 10,000 of these. And they're reselling for maybe a hundred bucks over retail. You take that and like, you know, you cut it down and like a, a, a StockX or a GOAT or an eBay or whatever is taking their 10% cut roughly. Everybody's somewhere around that range. They're not even making a whole lot of money off of that shoe in the long run. So taking it off of the platform, standing up for something bigger, to me is an easy decision morally rather than supporting this like kind of everything is money 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 and i just disagree with it being resold um i don't know steps off soapbox what do you guys think let me borrow that soapbox i'll stand on it now (laughs) it's so stupid like it's a shoe meant for people with disabilities It, it literally that's the whole platform behind it it started like well i don't know if it started but i know that the LeBron Soldier was one of the sneakers that utilized the, the Fly East technology. I don't see people reselling that. But because of the Jordan 1 and the black, white, and red colorway, people have lost their freaking collective minds and decide, hey, you know, let's resell it. Let's go ahead and sling this. You know, I won't wear it. It doesn't make sense for me to wear it. But this person who wants to buy it, I'll charge them 400 bucks for it. It's silly. I mean, we'll, why not let just one go? There's so much stuff releasing. Before that and after that shoe, that there's no reason for this to even happen. I mean, if you got to eat, quote unquote, cool. There's all the stuff you can be selling right now. 
There's all these Supreme drops. There's this. The Shatterback boards just came out. Travis Scott's came out before that. There's so much stuff out there here or there that you can be getting. Like, this wasn't necessary, man. Like, let let the people who like sneakers but can't enjoy them the way we do every day have a win, for Christ's sakes. I mean, and, and going, like, completely off, like, topic. I mean, people who are reselling this are the same ones who are like, oh, no, it's a Jordan 1 mid. I don't want to touch it. This shoe's a mid. Like, what's the, what, what are you trying to prove at this point? Is it because it, it has a different technology to open and close? Is that what you're trying to bank on the value with? If that's the case, I think that's pretty scummy. And yeah, I think GOAT, StockX, Stadium Goods, eBay, anybody I haven't named, do the right thing. It's just like, if you're going to sell them, it's like, I'm not going to sell them for anything more than retail. It's like, I just call it a day. If you need to eat so bad, you're a really selfish person because those shoes are designed for people who quote unquote can't eat. I mean, like imagine, I mean, there's so many different disabilities out there to why you can't tie your shoes. It could be something as simple as not simple, but just as easily viewable in your brain as arthritis where your hands can't grip the shoelaces to tie your own shoes to maybe having some kind of, you know, mechanism or technology helping you move throughout the day be it like a walker or a chair or whatever piece of technology helps you live your life it shouldn't have to come down between you wanting a fly pair of shoes for i mean they're still 100 bucks 100 something so it's still not cheap but if it's between like 250 300 between a pair of jordans or 300 for something you really need to get around in the day or to get around in life that's a that's an effed up decision to make somebody have to try to like that's a messed up decision to have somebody make when Nike's the one inventing a product for them in the first place. If there wasn't a product, it wouldn't be a thing. But it ultimately comes down to them because why can't the Jordan One be available in flyees like every other Air Jordan One mid, the other forty five colorways you could buy right now. Like, it shouldn't matter what colorway it's in. This shoe, this technology more specifically, should be in any kind of shoe it makes sense. Like a Pegasus doesn't make too much sense. It's a low-cut shoe already. There's not a lot of... You, you can't modify that very much to be helpful. But the Nike catalog, when it comes to mid-cut shoes, knows no parallels. I even think of like the women's blazers from last year or earlier this year with like the, the fake off white, you know, details where you could, you know, zip them up on the side. That's what FlyEase ultimately does, but it hides it better and doesn't necessarily use a zipper. That same kind of technique can be used on anything. So why does a shoe with this technology have to be over a hundred dollars? And why does it have to be limited? This shouldn't even have to be a conversation we have. This should be something so mundane in the sneaker world that somebody wanting an Air Jordan 1 who can't normally wear one should be able to buy it at Tuesday at 2 in the morning if they feel like it. Like, that's what really gets me. Of course, resellers suck sometimes. I like Travis Scott a lot, and I never got his shoes. So I, I could bitch about that, but you, you live to buy another shoe. 
this is different because I can live to buy another shoe. I could put my foot into anything I want to with great ease. And that's something we all take for granted. Eyesight. I mean, there's so many things we take for granted that our bodies can do. And it, it just, it, it bothers me that just there aren't 4 billion of these shoes sitting in a warehouse ready to be sold for the next five, 10 years. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy that, that this is borderline limited. Like accessibility is limited. Like you, you solve the problem and then build a gate around the problem solver. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. I think that, you know, I, like, I, I agree. Both of you guys have made really good points that I didn't address in my little my little rant. Um, but like Mike's point about like if resale platforms have these, allowing them for to like limit them the price to being retail or whatever, or maybe it's like you know, whatever the the the, the you know sell buy and sell for free or whatever. So there's like no fees on that particular one or something, something to help spread this, you know. And I think too, like, you know, Nike also could be producing, you know, in much larger numbers, you know, in at least Nike's, you know, business doing stuff like this probably does cost a significant amount more, you know, they're making plenty of money, but they're always held accountable to the stockholders. Right. But like, I do think that this, and, you know, I'm just trying to be optimistic towards the whole scenario, but I hope that exactly what you said Robbie happens I hope that they look at this and say look we can make a lot of these and cut the cost down by doing it now having them available and somehow you know keeping them available on the site at all times or whatever that looks like um because you know this this kind of goes back to like the women's stuff right I mean the satin shattered backboards the I mean there's so many of them that you could you know, rattle off, but like there's so many styles that be, that come in a women's in women's sizing that a bunch of guys go by and it's, it kind of sucks because, you know, if it's created for specific people in mind and those people can never buy it, you know, it, it just, it's a little frustrating, you know, like, like you said, the Travis Scott thing, I think there's, there's so many ways that we could just improve this whole experience as, as businesses and as consumers. And just, you know, I don't know, not to, not to be all preachy, but like, like Robbie said, we take a lot of shit for granted and we just step back and, and think of how good we got it. Maybe we could all make this whole experience for everyone a little bit better. Uh, that's all I was going to say. I just hopefully they can get together. Like this, this should be readily available for everybody. Like this Jordan ones, um, the air force one, the blazer, all these shoes have this, like the the way they're built. Like you said, the whole most of Nike catalog has the ability to be turned into this fly ease product. So, I get. I mean, even if you make just a small percent, you can you can make it happen. Put on shelves all the time. I get the market isn't big, but they still call the Air Force One O seven O seven for a reason. They still have all those lasts. They're sitting there ready to crank out at a moment's notice like they definitely have the warehouse facilities to keep shoes in good shape for a lot longer than we have in our own closets you could sit on these bad boys and just 
do it all, like I said, cut costs and do it all at one time and just have them sit there. You know how much good publicity you're going to get if you can just, I don't know, just, there's, there's so many more benefits. But at the end of the day, we don't run a company. It is about shareholders. Any public company will tell you we're in the business of making our shareholders profitable and happy. Like, that's what it comes down to. But, yeah, it's a sick world out there. End of story. Speaking of sick worlds. Mm -hmm. Daria? (laughs) No. Sick world as in sneaker sick world. Apparently, uh, Burn Rubber in Detroit made people eat bugs in order to be able to purchase the Jordan 1 Fearless over the weekend. Uh, excuse me? Are you fearless, though, if you won't eat bugs? Yeah. I think you're a hypocrite if you won't eat No, I'm healthy. <laughs> I'm pretty healthy uh, if I'm not eating bugs. <laughs> I'm too smart to eat a bug in order to buy a pair of fucking shoes. But they're... Mike, I'm going to let you talk about this one since you're the one that sent this to the group. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, for, first of all, before I start, this has been, been a rough week for for sneaker culture for me. Cause I literally just want to just, just quit for a day. I'm like, I can't between the flies and people eating bugs. Uh, wasn't, wasn't too happy with everyone, but uh, I have to give credit to the guys over at, at the sneak disc because that's who posted this. Um, I had, and I sat and looked at it and the guys over at burn rubber in Detroit were having their people in line waiting for this Jordan one fearless, which is a trash shoe. Just FYI standing there to eat bugs in order to prove they were quote unquote fearless to not win the shoe, but win the right to buy the shoe. Like, I mean, I'm still not condoning anyone eating bugs, but if you're going to make someone eat a freaking bug, at least give them a shoe for free at that point. But anywho, why? I mean, it's just really stupid now. I mean, I don't like that these stores are getting away with basically I don't know what the right word is, but maybe just taking advantage of the people who are coming to spend money with you. They're not asking you to give them the shoe. They're coming, standing in line like, God knows I won't do it, but they're braving these elements because Detroit's cold right now. And willing to give you 180 bucks plus tax for a shoe. And you're going to out there and just like take advantage of these people like, oh, you want to eat a bug or... All the other crap that these stores are doing, like there was one release a while back that they were literally saying that uh, it was, I think it was the Atmos release. Oh no, it was the, uh, oh my God. Guys, who did the, uh, I, my, I just had a, a complete blank. Who just, who, who did the last, uh, they did the SB and then they did a Air Max one. A Pata. They had a Pata release not too long ago. There was one store that said only way you can, Basically, purchase the shoes if you have an old pair of Padas, Padapars, Jordans, or Nikes, and wear them to the store, and we'll pick and choose which ones we like the best. Then you have a chance to buy the shoe. Why can't I just get in line and buy the shoe without you telling me I'm not good enough to spend my money here? This whole facade of, oh, we're going to make sure you're quote unquote cool enough to have this, to spend your hard working, hard earned money. It's kind of ridiculous, man, and I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not here for that. I mean, if someone wants to buy a shoe, they have money, they saved up their hard-earned cash, and heck, maybe it's a kid who saved up their money for this one release, and 
and I get to tell him he has to eat a freaking bug before you can even get it, you're just taking advantage of people. And I think that kind of crap should you're be not shut fearless, down. Though. What do you think, Robbie? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trolling. Um, I mean, <laughs> the pattern one's especially crazy. That's like a multi-thousand dollar shoe if you're not fortunate enough to be a long-term you know, airhead, Nike airhead, not that you are an airhead. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, some of, them are, some of them are cool. Like if you want to make somebody wear a pair of shoes outside of this, you know, to wear them out of the store, that's, that's reasonable. You want to make sure they're going to people who actually want to wear the product. But at the end of the day, outside of preventing people from selling on your premises and like in your parking lot, mind your own damn business. Like what people do, and this is like a big video game thing too. It's like, should you be able to mod your Nintendo once you own it? Because it's Nintendo's product, but you own it now. So they shouldn't have a say. Like that's a that's a classic example of like businesses trying to stay in your you know stay in your business after you have their products. If you want to make money off it, cool. If you want to try to limit how people get their product from your store, do it in a more creative way than this shock value. This isn't no, this isn't Joe Rogan. You know what was that show called? Um, Fear Fear Factor. This isn't Seth Rogen, like, <laughs> get your head out of your ass. I don't know, like, the bug thing is super wild, but there's an ice cream shop out here that has a seasonal Halloween flavor that has bugs in it. And people get it, like, it sells, it tastes good. So if you really want the shoe, no one's putting a gun to your head and telling you to eat the bug. Your ass showed up. You knew what the rules were. You got yourself into it. Do you look dumb as hell when when we when we make fun of you for doing it? Yeah, but his body is his temple. You want to eat a bug for some shoes? <laughs> go, go play yourself. It's up to you. But uh, I just wish companies would stay out of my business, to stay out of people's business. They got the product. You got your money. This don't let them sell it in your store, and but let them live. I mean, a lot of this is just internet fame, right? I got to assume that, you know, the guys at Burn Rubber just knew they were going to get a bunch of, you know, shit talking going on and people were going to pass this around the way it has been passed around. But also on the other side, you know, maybe maybe people are just buying, maybe maybe people are literally just eating the bug to be on their, you know, Burn Rubber Instagram or whoever. I don't know who originally posted that video, but I mean, I feel like there's a lot of clout chasing going on on both the business side and the, and the consumer side and the, you know, customer side. Do you think that, you know, like how does this compare to, in your guys' opinion, to the, you know, guys eating cereal out of their Kyrie's or, um, you know, right. Reese's, you know, Travis Scott Reese's out of their Travis Scott Jordan ones. That's their problem. Uh, no, nah, this is. I think it's worse because this is like the people eating the shoe. I guess because they're forced them to buy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, you have to eat this to buy this. If you just want to be a dumbass and put milk and cereal in your shoe, that's your problem. 
but <laughs> uh, I think it's worse if the store is making you do stuff like stores taking advantage of the customer, making them look like animals out there. It's crazy because I, I think we were talking beforehand. There's a store. Anyone who knows the name of it, put it put in the comments because I can't remember. But they put it's free product, mind you. But they'll take something to the store and they have this pole that sticks out to the side of their wall, probably about eight feet up. They throw it on top of the pole and it literally looks like crabs fighting in the barrel. And they just videotape it, just like literally just kids and people just like stomping the crap out of each other just to get whatever the heck be like a Supreme T-shirt or some pair of shoes and I don't know. I compared it to the the scene in the Dark Knight where the Joker breaks the pool stick and throws it on the floor, and whoever survives survives. Bozos still show up and do it. So internet fame goes two ways. Like if you make a postable situation, they will come, <laughs> and and here come the people. <laughs> I mean, clowns of the circus. What's next on the docket? So that's a that's a good that's a good like question because I'm sure there's stuff that I haven't seen. But what's like the worst that crabs in a bucket thing is is like super corny to me. The I mean all of it's super corny. Every once in a while I'm like, all right, yeah, that was that was you know sort of funny, you know, like and and I totally understand the temptation to be like, oh, this will be funny. You know, it's like when you have one of those inside jokes with your buddies, but like it's not really that funny or like you know the jokes with your girlfriend or your wife where it's like, it's not really that funny. Like you, you, you know, your partner like does it and you laugh because it's funny because you love them. And you know, they do the same for your jokes that aren't really that funny. But so sometimes I could see how those kind of thoughts turn into like, Oh, of course, Travis Scott Reese's in Travis Scott shoes, whatever. Not that I would ever do that, but I, I at least, understand the you know the thought process that gets to that point i wonder like what like the craziest things people have ever seen or done to get a pair of shoes like you know eating bugs i mean obviously lining up for crazy amounts of time is is up there for for me because i just don't like being in line for anything um but what what other ones are out there? Like, let us know on you know social, Twitter, Instagram at Sneaker History, if you've got some crazy story because I I would love to hear like just the nonsense that goes on, um, because that's all it is. It's like just straight nonsense. But um, that said, I think like you know we could we could get into uh, some some more nonsense in the form of I guess Under Armour. I don't know. Let's see. It looks like they they have some uh some potentially intentional accounting issues. Is that what I'm reading right? Right, Mike. Go ahead and shut it down. I don't I don't know what they're doing. Kevin Plank leaves. They're out there fudging numbers. I mean, just to keep it at a pretty high level uh, for everybody, so they don't get bored with any accounting. Um, but basically, it looks as though Under Armour has been fudging their numbers a bit to give the assumption that they've been having uh, healthy growth over the past couple of years, as opposed to taking any losses. And when you look at their, I'm trying to find the, everything now, but if you look at their their earnings, they've actually been dropping 
in in a, in in terms of revenue in the states, um, I think they dropped one percent in the states, but they they've grown overseas. But the overseas market is just not nearly as big uh, because I, in the states it's like a one billion dollar um, billion dollar market, while overseas is like in the realm of three hundred and sixty some odd million. And right now, I mean, they basically have a probe going on to find out you know what the deal is and why they're basically uh, promoting fake numbers. Uh, and, and of course, like every good company trying to save face, I mean, they're like, oh yeah, we welcome the, the investigation. Come on in. And I don't know, it just seems kind of convenient now that Plank's stepping down and now they're having all these issues. It's like he, he stepped out just in time <laughs> before they could blame him for it. It definitely makes you wonder how much he knew stepping out, you know, stepping down from, from CEO. But um, the, it is really interesting because Essentially, like what they're trying to say is that Under Armour shifted uh, essentially quarter to quarter. They shifted numbers in order to appear as if the the business was healthier than it really was. So, um, yeah, like the the Wall Street Journal reported it. Footwear News picked it up. We'll have a link in the bio to that or link in the description to that story. But the the numbers basically just say that Under Armour has been headed downhill and um, you know, in the, in, in the article, it, it says Ch chairman and CEO, Kevin Plank said in a statement, you know, accompanying the third quarter report quote, building our long-term brand strength remains at the center of everything we do. Our ongoing transformation across the business continues to make us smarter, faster, and more operationally excellent. As we make the turn into 2020, we are confident in our ability to deliver our fourth quarter targets while proactively supporting higher levels of strategic marketing investments that will further fuel the Under Armour brand. Um, yeah. And then, you know, also in 2020, Kevin Plank becomes executive chairman and, and uh, the former COO, Patrick, Patrick Frisk, takes CEO, the CEO job. So I don't know, man. Under Armour, I think they just, they need some, they need some help. They need some. They need some like like good energy from somebody, and I don't know if uh, if the, the next story is is right or not. But I didn't see where this one was posted. But Luca might be signing with Under Armour. I feel like the Under Armour CEO started a fire, looked back at it, looked at the people in front of him, and said, "Oh shit, it's a big fire! All right, I'm all right. I'm ahead." <laughs> All right, I'm done. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right, I'm head out. Um, but um, yesterday <laughs> in pre-game warm-up, Luca busted out the unreleased, well, an unreleased colorway of the unreleased um, Curry 7, and then promptly went back to playing in the Kobe 4 in the actual game. But he's been warming up, and Under Armour's and talk has been that they might be trying to sign him. Nike had Luca on a two-year contract when he was with Real Madrid. Um, so that just expired a month ago. So he's still been playing in Kobe's like we've seen, but um, he's testing the market out. I won't be surprised if this is just early reporting, like they might sign him. I guarantee you every brand is going to be sending him 
whatever they possibly can to get a 20 year old's future MVP. Like the, the possibilities for Luca is are endless. If he's already having all these triple doubles and all this success before he's hit 21 years old. So I think under armor is just the first of many suitors, but, um, Kobe's don't lie. Like, like Luca likes wearing those Nikes. So I'd be surprised if he leaves, but a lot of companies are going to be try trying to throw their name in the hat. The interesting thing about the Kobe or about the Curry seven is that it very, it has a very Kobe kind of vibe to it, in my opinion. Yeah, I can. I agree with that. You mean it doesn't look bad? That fast look. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is a good looking shoe. Yeah. The Curry 7 is a good looking shoe, though. I mean, I think the Curry 6 and 7 have both been pretty solid looking. I mean, I don't know if, if Under Armour will ever be able to get over the hump of, you know, like winning over like real basketball like sneaker sneakerhead basketball fans but you know i mean i've said it many times like to me the 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 under armor logo is is way too static for basketball you know like the swoosh is great because it 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 looks it looks fast it looks quick it looks it looks like motion even like the reebok old school reebok vector logo look that way you know like there's a reason that new balance is you know moving the 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 New Balance logo into a more you know movement based logo as opposed to having just that big static N on the side like their most like you know the running shoes or their you know classics have and to me like you're never gonna get past that with Under Armour you know like that's that's the only reason the Steph Curry shoe has done well in my opinion is because even though like a lot of shoes aesthetically look the same you know throughout the brands um the SC logo at least has that like, you know, kind of faster, quicker appeal, but that's just, that's just my it's opinion though. Re- I don't know. It's just interesting to see the Curry shoe on somebody without Curry on the back of their Jersey. Cause outside of Steph and Seth, I don't see a lot of under armor signed athletes wearing that shoe. And, um, Nick, great point about the Omzi One, OMN Omnis One. I still can't say that shoe right. Um, Omnis, putting it up on the collar, Omnis. angling it a little bit more, gives it a whole different vibe. But when it comes to Under Armour, once they can, once they can convert me, they can convert anybody on Earth. So it's like they're not there yet, but if they get Luca and they give Luca a cool signature shoe. I'll be more inclined to look. Won't buy, but I'll be inclined to be to be present whenever that happens. So see my only thing with that is I wouldn't do it if I was Luca because Joel and B's been there for what a little bit over a year now? He's got nothing. So I think Luca, I mean, I think Luca maybe is this a more dynamic player than Joel. I'm not going to say he's better, um, but I think Joel has a bigger personality, so he should definitely get the shoe first. So 
what does that mean for Luca? He's going to be sitting in line for what, another three years before he gets a shoe. I mean, I don't mean I don't know what his plans are and all his career goals are if he wants a shoe, but I think he just has a better chance just for a better situation almost anywhere else. I feel like I feel like Joel Embiid is now uh, moving into like UFC territory with Carl Anthony Towns, so maybe they're going to make him like a you know his own The Rock, uh, you know, like wrestling boot or something, but. <laughs> I I, uh, I think I think Robbie has made a good point though. Like Luca's one of those few people that could potentially, you know, pull some of those like Kobe fans because you know, as much as like Kobe hasn't been playing for a handful of years now, his fan base is still very like loyal to his shoes in a lot of ways, and I think as this like new generation, you know, like obviously kind of LeBron is at the top of the, but there's this kind of like, we're, we're moving into a place where somebody, somebody is going to become like the signature athlete for the NBA. Right. And, you know, maybe it's Kawhi, maybe it's, you know, Russ, maybe it's, you know, who knows, like it could be anybody really. I think that going towards, you know, like, Luca makes makes a pretty like there could you could make a pretty good case that Luca has like a a very mass appeal coming from you know playing overseas um you know like just it, it's kind of interesting because we talked about this on our Patreon episode this week playing overseas and kind of building that fan base up for a, a couple of years you know winning an MVP over there coming over to to the NBA and playing in the states like he now already has like a fan base to support wherever he goes. If the brand is able to kind of accommodate and make sure that the shoes move to the right places where his fan base is right now. But he also has a game that appeals to a mass audience of basketball fans. And I think that's like the most appealing thing about him. I don't know about the signature side because the reality is like it, it would take a couple of years for him to get a signature shoe going, you know, unless there's something in the pipeline that, you know, I think of like, you know, the way that s signature shoes end up in some cases is like the brand is already working on a shoe, but now we're going to call it, you know, the Nike zoom Luca. And, you know, it would have been some hyper chase variation or hyper dunk variation or some, you know, kind of inline shoe, but they're able to spin it, twist it, throw some different colors on it and, and details, and you turn it into a signature shoe for Luca. But um, I don't think Under Armour has that kind of quick turnaround ability like Nike or even Adidas would, would be able to do. So definitely an interesting thing to watch for the next, you know, however long until he decides to really fully commit to a, another brand. Hopefully he sees these reports of them, budget numbers. He's like, you know what? Not going there. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> For real. Um, so we wanted to kind of kind of move into like uh, a new, not new, just a, a re retitling, repurposing of this section of of the podcast, and uh, just talk about what's on our radar. So um, I don't know what do you, what do you guys got going on? Anything on your radar this week? Um. One I've been keeping an eye on has been the uh, 
Kyrie sixes. Uh, that's the shoe I play basketball in. Like the Kyrie line is what I've been playing ball in for the last few years since the Kyrie ones. And the Kyrie six is pretty solid. And I'm really excited that he's releasing 11 city inspired shoes on November 11th. And they actually included Houston, which is very surprising. Uh, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, the good. The Kendrick Lamar Element 55. I love a wearable collaboration. Like the Element 55 is one of those just insanely comfortable shoes. Um, another good, I would go with all of those uh, Lingning, kind of really out there signature, like, like streetwear shoes they've been releasing. All these really crazy styles that I would never wear, but... I respect game when I see it. They look really cool. Um, but then the bad, man. $500 Air Max 95s from Supreme. Uh, You're going to make them look like Kmart Air Maxes and then jack the price tag up? Like, that's just... That's a way... I'm not writing. Like that is that is not me. I like to think that is not any, but that's not ninety percent of real sneakerheads. Like, if you really care about shoes, you don't care about these. Didn't that, didn't that release early? Uh, I guess what night premium a version did it was black. It looks I, better. I but I just saw it. I, I don't like it regardless. Like then or now, I don't like the. Looks puffy. Um, look like a puffer jacket. Them shits. Oh yeah, no, oh, yeah, hundred percent. Air Max ninety five is the Air Max ninety five is one of those sacred, sacred designs. The materials were perfect. Everything was perfect. And then you go and do stuff like this. It's like I I could have a dog shave its ass and walk backwards and probably look better. Like, <laughs> not not my thing. Very specific. <laughs> so, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm not a big fan of this shoe, but the one caveat that I will say is that at least it is like a release that already happened, right? Like the black version of the '95 release, like this, you know, what 2000? I want to say 2007. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but it was it was a made in Italy, super premium leather. Like I've ne never owned a pair, but I've definitely seen a couple in person over the years, and it's a phenomenal like quality of shoe. I don't think it was 500 back then. I think it was actually 300, possibly. But you guys can uh, yell at me on the internet if I'm wrong. But I will say that like that part of it is kind of cool to be able to like bring it back. I don't think that it makes sense for like you know i just don't i don't care about the colors i don't honestly i don't care about the shoe at all really um i do think it's interesting that supreme is kind of going towards like more of these premium releases they just did like the you know the the champagne flutes um dom p stuff this 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 season and you know that's not well calculated considering you know i'm it's isn't it Louis Vuitton that's it's behind Supreme now or one of those big big like conglomerate high high end yeah. you know conglomerate brands, but 
yeah that that shoe was kind of interesting um the 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 price point of it is just absurd i don't think that it's worth that much um if you're gonna spend 500 bucks on a shoe there's a lot of really nice shoes out there that are you know half that price so um for me the one thing that i that caught my eye um is that i just i just realized that like the dornbecker stuff is about to launch this week some point um and sneaker uh Uh sneaker news had the uh kind of early look at the Air Force One. I'm not a big Air Force One fan, but I could see this one being really popular. It's got like roses that replaced, like embroidered roses that replace the swoosh, but still in the shape of the swoosh. Got a lot of like embossing and stuff like that. And just a really clean looking shoe. Um, and I think like the Dornbecker stuff is always exciting to see. It's always cool to see like the, you know, the, the charity aspect of it that, you know, I'm sure like Jacques Slade and, those those kind of like people that get to go to the events with with nike will be covering it and you'll see like you know on like Hez kicks both those guys have gone for the past couple of years as guests of nike and you know they it's it's cool because they get to see and meet the people that meet the you know um the kids that are designing these shoes and you know like it's awesome that nike still does this and 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 get, you know raises this money for the hospital to you know, just kind of give these, you know, terminal patients a, a like an exciting, exciting thing to experience, you know, as they're in the hospital. So that that would be it for me. But um, we also this episode wanted to we're, we're starting a new a new uh, a new segment called Too Deep for the Intro. And I don't know. I think we should just do one of us has it each episode. And I think clearly Robbie's got to run with this one, right? I'm trying to think of my hot take here. I wouldn't wear Under Armour shoes if I had to walk through hot coal. <laughs> <laughs> How you really feel? I wish I had something cooler than that, but it's just I keep thinking about the moves they make, and it's like Luca is what Zion was to the NBA draft this year. If if they could sign somebody like him, it would change the trajectory of the brand. And yeah, Steph is Steph, but these young kids need something to grasp onto for the next decade. And when you're that young and that talented with a global audience, it's just you you can't you can't let that go squandered. Like back in the day, there was all these like bidding wars for who's gonna get to sign what athlete, who's gonna make what represent uh, what who's gonna make what presentation to try to get the sell. And this is where we need to see people going like all out trying to sign this kid. So we will see. It's only one month into his free agency, but I'm I'm really curious to see how aggressively people go after Luca. They slept on him in the draft, and I think a lot of people are now like, damn, I could have had him. My franchise would look a little bit different. To a sneaker brand out there, he could make your brand look a little different. 
So uh, I'm very curious to see that because there's brands out there. I, I would not wear like literally if you paid me, I still wouldn't wear them. Like it's, I'm, I'm a hard sell. So signing someone like that might be a good starting point. That basically wraps up this episode. My name is Nick Ingvall. You can follow me at Nick Ingvall on all platforms. More importantly, follow at Sneaker History on all platforms. Guys, let them know how they can find you. Yeah, uh, Mike Guillory. Find me on Sneaker History, of course. Also find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. Robbie, where are you at? Uh, Instagram? I'm just kidding. Um, Instagram? That's just the Texas technically being in the South coming out of you. Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702 on all internet platforms. No one else wants that name, so easy to find. <laughs> right on. Well, we appreciate all of you listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. Before you take off, I want to thank you again for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. To make sure you stay up on sneaker history happenings, new merch, new episodes, and other news, sign up for our newsletter at sneakerhistory.com. If you're looking for more episodes to listen to, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com sneakerhistory for even more content. And as we do, be sure to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far that will go for somebody. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.